Hi, everyone. Welcome to this edition of Roar Lions Radio. I'm your host, Bill DeFilippo. I, we have a special host today because Nick and Matt were both at the game. So I am joined by uh, one of the just best members of our site, Matt Filipovitz. What's going on, brother? Oh, stop it. Way I, too nice. Well, here's the thing. You're, ju- you're judged based on uh, the bar set as a mat, and you, you exceed a very low one. So... Uh, I kind of got to give you that, but regardless, r- regardless of the goodness or badness of Matt, I think we can all agree that it is very good. Uh, the fact that Penn State was able to pick up a win, even if they might have made it a little bit more exhilarating than I think any of us thought in the final matchup for the foreseeable future against Pitt on Saturday, Nittany Lions came out on top 17 to 10, powered by a pair of touchdowns by Noah Kane and Devin Ford, and a 57-yard school record field goal by Jordan Stout. Uh, It was a weird game, Matt. It really seemed to me, and I'm interested in your thoughts, like Pitt just had the juice for the entire game, and it seemed like Penn State was perpetually kind of one step behind them, but Penn State... The, the talent gap was just so vast that it didn't matter that it seemed like Pitt was really playing above its head. Yeah, the talent gap, I think, is really what won Penn State the game because the Nitty Lions basically threw up on themselves for like 60 minutes. Um, but having that much of a talent gap between the two teams is really what made Penn State able to win it, even if it was close. And we, I, I think it was especially prominent on the defensive side of the ball uh, where even though Penn State wasn't able to do what it, what it kind of came into this year hanging its hat on, which is get to the quarterback and create havoc in the backfield in the passing game. Pitt's offense just kept stalling out drive after drive after drive. Uh, We'll get into that a little bit later, but I want to break this game down into the biggest takeaway that we have good and bad on it. And then we'll dive in a little bit deeper into the offense and the defense. There's not much to say about Penn State's special teams other than the fact that they're very good. Or at least it seems like they're very good through uh, three games. Of Jordan one. Stout should have a Heisman campaign. Jordan, if nobody started it yet, Jordan Stout should have a Heisman campaign going by now. It like I think about this three times a week, bare minimum. Virginia Tech couldn't find a scholarship for him. Like I have no idea how... Somebody on that staff is not fired immediately. Like the second he hit the 57-yarder, somebody on Virginia Tech should have just been escorted out of the building. Virginia Tech this year has lost to Boston College. Who lost to Kansas. Who lost to Kansas. Was in a fight with Old Dominion before they won by 14. And then this weekend was in a, had to come from behind to beat Furman by 7. Like it's one kicker. I Don't get me wrong, but I'm inclined to say that they probably could have cut like – someone somewhere to find room for him. But yeah, I mean, even beyond him, like I thought the return, the return game had its ups and downs. Uh, I thought Blake Gillikin had a really good game. That was, of course, grace on kickoffs and uh, Dan Chisena. Uh, I'm going to mess that one up plenty of times. I'm sure uh, he got to the kicker. I mean, he got to the kick punt returner at just the right time. Bad penalty, neither here nor there. Let's break this game down, Matt, into the biggest takeaway that you thought was good. And then in a second, we'll get to the bad one. But we'll start off on the right foot. In terms of good things, what was the biggest takeaway you had from this game? I think this is the first game where Micah Parsons separated himself as clearly the best player on the field, offense, defense, both sides. Uh, the pass rush was really stressful. Um, Kenny Pickett kind of 
tore the secondary apart on a lot of just really short, like seemingly eight yard passes and the pass rush couldn't really get anything. But I thought Micah Parsons did a great job in coverage. He had a really great batted ball, which we didn't see a lot of last year. And then uh, when he came up to rush the passer, he didn't get there very often, but he definitely, you know, had Pickett with some happy feet. And in the run game, he did really well. There were a couple plays where they just uh, Pitt's offensive line was just like, yeah, let's just let's just not block Micah Parsons. And he blew a couple plays up in the backfield. Uh, that was that was probably my biggest takeaway. There wasn't a lot of positives, honestly, in such a gross win, but it was still a win regardless. But Parsons really stood out, I thought. That you're going to, for all y'all who are going to end up reading the site and are going to read our MVP roundtable, like I picked Parsons as my MVP for the game. And that what Matt basically said, and that's why I'm picking him as my biggest takeaway, which is Penn State has a an NFL talent at linebacker in a guy who didn't take a live snap at linebacker at any point in his life until 12 months and like two weeks ago. Like what Micah Parsons has been able to do in terms of getting assimilated to the college game and getting to the point where he is such a freak athlete and being a freak athlete is good, but it doesn't like it's only part of the equation. He's now starting to get to the point where he is a freak athlete and he is someone who is capable of taking that and reading or reacting to plays and be a good football player on top of that. And when you were able to mix those two things, we saw how he was just all, all over the place. Whenever Penn State was in a situation where they had a bunch of guys converging on the ball, he always seemed to be there. And I think that's something that for how well Pitt was able to kind of do things to neutralize Penn State's pass rush and ability to get to Pickett, that's going to pay dividends eventually. And then, of course, what everyone on Penn State's defense did in the running game was was sublime. Uh, get Real little, quick. Oh, go ahead. If, if the NFL draft was tomorrow, would Micah Parsons be picked? Would he be picked? At this, at, point, at, this, at this point of his career. Well, the thing is, I, like, I'm of... My brain works in the NBA, so it's always take the young guy and then mold him into what you want. And I think, like, I absolutely think that if if Micah Parsons was able to enter the draft tomorrow, I think some team would absolutely go what he is able to do physically and the fact that he is starting to figure out how to put that all together in a way where he is... We, we saw last year, especially, that there were plenty of times where he would make mistakes, but he was such a good athlete that it didn't matter. Well, now he's starting to get to the point where he's not making those mistakes. And I, as that comes along, Micah Parsons is only going to get better. I think Exactly. He, That's, the mm-hmm. fact that you said yes says that in his 16th game, he's played linebacker. <laughs> you and I both think he's seen enough to be like, yep, he can play at the next level. Yep. That says a lot about where he is already and what his ceiling is going to be going forward. Yeah, like I, I can't wait to see what happens. He, he's going to be really fun in like the Ohio State game when Ohio State's just going to have athletes flying all over the place. Like this game was one of those games where Pitt's not exactly the most explosive team on earth, so Micah was able to catch up to stuff. But when the game gets really fast and he's able to not, like just react to stuff. I think he's going to start doing some really, really special things. But uh, for all the pr- praise that we're heaping on uh, Parsons as our biggest good takeaway, Matt, I kind of want to look at a more negative thing. And my guess is we're going to then be able to segue that into talking about Penn State's offense. But in terms of negatives, what was kind of your biggest takeaway from this game? Yeah, I'll stick on the defensive side. And I thought the secondary uh, really underperformed against some underwhelming historical quarterback light uh, and a guy like Kenny Pickett. 
Um, and I really don't know why. Uh, again, it was a lot of the pass rush was really close and it looked like they just couldn't get there and pick it did, to his credit, did a really good job extending plays and the pit receivers just found space. Um, that's something that I really wasn't expecting. I thought this secondary would be able to feast off quarterbacks, uh, getting flushed from the pocket and having to throw up a couple of ducks. But so far, that hasn't really been the case. Uh, I get that they're still really young there, but the entire starting secondary is all upperclassmen. And I know we've seen a lot of Keaton Ellis. I know we've seen a lot of Jaquan Brisker, who hasn't played a lot of football at this high of a level yet. But that really has to get shored up uh, before we get into Big Ten play. Yeah, and then on, I, I think the pass play that everyone's going to remember, which was uh, the taser Mac catch that got them down at the one-yard line, which led to just like that indomitable Nittany Lions stand on the line. That, that was good defense. That, that was, was good de- That was good defense. It was, defense. It, it, oh, for sure. Stuff outside right, he... Mac went up and got that, but he also went up and got that over Donovan Johnson, who is another guy who hasn't really played a whole lot of football. So, like, I'm interested. I'm very glad that you said the secondary because I thought it seemed to me, and I think that the fact that Pickett threw for a bunch of yards and Pitt scored one touchdown in the entire game and no points in the second half indicates that they were playing a lot. They were really leaning on that bend but don't break thing. They wanted to keep everything that they could in front of them. And it's one of those things that it led to pretty gaudy numbers for Pickett. uh, 35 for 51, 372 yards. Taser Mack and uh, A.J. Davis. uh, Taser Mack had 12 catches. Uh, Maurice French had 8 and A.J. Davis had 7. Penn State was letting them get stuff. And it's good that they were able to not break in letting them get into the end zone. But... That's something that has the potential to hurt them as they get – I'm terrified of the plan of Ben, but don't break when you're going up against like Rondale Moore because he's just the kind of guy yeah, that you let him get the ball in his hands and he's going to do stuff to you. And I, I wonder if that – even against Maryland. Maryland has a – they're a very fast and athletic offense with a lot of speed on the perimeter. So – I'm interested. I, that that's something that I'm I'm kind of dog earing as we're going into uh, this bye week. But for me, I'm a little bit concerned uh, with the offense's ability to. How do I say this? I think we all. I mentioned this on the last pod, but Penn State's philosophy, and it's something that Bill Connolly wrote about when he was still. Uh, with SB Nation, I'll make a little note to try and leave that in the post or in the description of the pod. But when you go for big plays, when your identity is around big plays, it's like Bill compared it to three pointers in basketball. It's a lot like boxing, in my opinion, where the most important, the only way to assuredly score points in football is to have the ball break the plane of the end zone. So if you are hunting for those, you are hunting for the ability to kind of land the knockout punch to further the, to make a boxing analogy. And I think we're seeing signs of a Penn State team that wants to do that, and we're seeing a sign of a team that is kind of getting to a point where they can do that. Uh, we all saw the stats uh, over the weekend that if you take out Journey Brown's run doing this, and if you take out this uh, 53-yard KJ Hamler reception, or if you take out that 40, whatever. It didn't come to burn them here, but I want, I really just want them to be able, if they're going to do this big play offense thing, which I think they can pull off, they need to be able to execute it. Um, and 
If not, I want them to be able to, say, get the ball to Pat Fryermuth a little bit more, get the ball to a Justin Shorter type a little bit more, who they have the physicality to win one-on-one battles, and even if they don't blow by a dude and get to the end zone, you can still kind of churn away a little bit. Uh, Matt, like, what are your thoughts on Penn? Again, we'll use this as the segue into talking about the offense. What are your thoughts on Penn State's uh, leaning on trying to be an offense that creates big plays uh, both for better or worse. Uh, before I do that, I want to give a shout out before I forget to Justin Shorter. Uh, his downfield blocking on Devin yep. Ford's uh, big run in no, week one. Jer- he, tried, yeah. he tried to do the same thing in Jeremy Brown. He is just hauling down the sideline trying to keep you know, pace. So. You know what it reminds big me of? Big shout out to Justin Shorter. That kicks ass. It reminds me of Deshaun Hamilton did this a lot where even if he is not catching the football, he is finding a way to make his impact a play. Go back if you haven't seen it, and I'm very glad Matt mentioned this. Go back and watch Journey Brown's run. Journey Brown is running on the near sideline. Justin Shorter lines up on the far sideline on that play, and you yep. can, he runs. He r- probably covers more ground on that play than Journey Brown does, and Journey Brown actually slows down because he wants Shorter to get out in front of him and get that. Uh, defensive back who is trying to close on him from the side and shorter just turns on the jets and gets in and pushes the dude away. It lets like the guy chasing Brown down, get to him. But that, that is, that's something where I think it's eventually going to click as a receiver with short. I mean, you know, he hasn't been bad by any stretch of the imagination. He just hasn't been getting to the football. That's something that even if he is not catching the ball consistently, he is always going to have a spot in Penn State's rotation. But yeah, go, go ahead, Matt. Yep. That that blocking is usually reserved for like a three-star receiver who wants to see the field, not a five-star kid who's going to see it regardless. Or a senior. Yeah. Like Saeed exactly. Blackball was someone who did a lot of that. Yeah, yeah, that kicked ass. And I hope he keeps doing it, and I'm sure he will. And I forget your question because I got excited uh, thinking about that. <laughs> Penn State's offense and we saw it against Pitt, the big play offense thing. Like for better or worse, what are just your thoughts on Penn State looking like it wants to make that its philosophy? Uh it's a fun brand of football. Uh it's really entertaining. It's stressful in the first half, but then uh in the second half like we saw against Buffalo when they're just chucking it deep and having no uh drives last longer than like seven plays. That's awesome. Uh, but I don't think it's sustainable uh, going forward. I don't think this offense is built for it. I think you have too many really talented running backs, and I think you're playing them too much to think that that can be your philosophy. Uh, it's great to know that you have those kind of weapons. Uh, like KJ Hamler, Jahan Dotson's been great. Fryer moves shorter. You know, all the running backs clearly have big play ability, but I don't think it's sustainable uh, going forward. Um, we'll have to see. I hope they're able to work some stuff out in the bye week to kind of get some of those longer drives because also this defense, they're rotating a lot, but they can't be on the field for as many plays as they've been the past few weeks. Yeah. And with the defense, I mean, while, you know, Jason Owe and Shane Simmons are both talented guys, they are steps downs from Yitro Gross Matos and Shaka Tony. While, uh, y- you know, if they're deciding to take out John Reed and put in Keaton Ellis, it's still like it, the depth thing is good, but also, like, it, it's a bit of a double-edged sword because that means fewer snaps are going to better players. But onto the, I mean, with the offense, I'm, the running backs are kind of the big thing to talk about, uh, in my opinion, because I think we're getting – well, I mean, Sean Clifford is the biggest thing, and we'll get them in a second. But with the running backs, um, I think this is the point where everyone wants me to say that, yes, I wish Noah Kane got a few more – got more carries 
after his, uh, you know, that one really, really impressive drive in the third quarter that led to Penn State scoring the final points of the game. Uh, and Franklin did say uh, in his post-game press conference, Franklin did say he thinks, uh, looking back on it, they probably should have fed him a bit more. Yeah, and, get into it, a it, it, and it's something that I think we're seeing the growing pains that this team is experiencing right now because it is at a point where it's still trying to figure out its identity. And when you have four running backs, three of whom have never taken really serious snaps before, and the fourth uh, was a reserve last year and also someone who, let's face it, he, he has a bit of a tendency to put the ball on the deck sometimes. They're going, it's going to be a lot of trial and error, a lot of figuring things out. And it's like with the running backs, I think that they're really going to be helped by this bye week because they get a chance to look back and see where they're at and then maybe give a few more carries to Kane, maybe give a few more to Devin Ford, who might be the most talented of the bunch. See what you can do with Journey Brown as kind of a change of pace guy and see it. You know, Ricky Slade impressed as a pass catcher, I thought. So all three did. I thought, yeah. I thought Journey Brown and Noah Kane both had really nice catches. Yeah. Um, Brown had like, Jimmy's left side. That was, I thought those were really both really good and really promising going forward. Yeah. Brown had one that like it bounced off his hands, but it wasn't the best throw that we'll ever see. Clifford missed on a few of those where like, he threw it, if he throws it six more inches towards the guy's body, it's a catch. But instead, they had to, like, slow down to try and reach out and get it and bounce off their hand. Like, that, the drops in that sense weren't as egregious as, like, last year's drops. But yeah, they still, it's also rainy. it was also really rainy. Yes, it, 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 it was very much a weird game. Uh, just from that, I mean, like you can, if you want to be one of those people who say the rain was pr- why the pass rush didn't get home quite that frequently, go for it. But you know, we we obviously don't know that one. Let's talk about Sean Cliff. Um, Let's do it. I thought that his fourteen for thirty for two hundred and twenty-two yards and seven carries for five yards. I thought he looked a little bit better than those numbers indicated, Matt. I don't think that he was perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but it seemed like there was a bit, there were times where he just wasn't quite in sync throwing the ball. And, you know, I can think of two occasions of the one moment in where he throws it into the end zone and KJ Hamler and Pat Fryermuth run the same route and there are two defenders there and it gets knocked down. And then that final play call uh, on third and whatever, Penn State's trying to salt the game away. He goes deep and someone runs the wrong route. It seems like his big issues where they popped up were a mix of one that and then two on a few deep balls. He just overthrew guys by one step. I think we saw enough out of him and we have seen enough out of him to say that once he's 100% settled in, which is a, which as a reminder, it took Trace McSorley four and a half or five games in his first year to get a hundred percent settled in. Yep. We're going to see a pretty good, pretty, pretty good quarterback. But what did you think about his effort on a Saturday afternoon? Yeah, I'll give uh, one really good thing and one really bad thing. I'll start with the bad thing. I thought he looked like uh, his feet never really were set. I mean, I don't really know much mm-hmm. about that aspect of football, but the offensive line didn't give him a ton of time. And I thought he was getting happy feet, which is, totally understandable for it's a kid's third start and it's the first one against a power five opponent that's going to give him that kind of pressure um but on the good side he really took care of the football uh none of his throws were egregious he didn't 
you know, have any turnovers. He, I thought he was really smart with the football. So, you know, it's the good and the bad, but overall I thought he performed pretty well with the conditions and that being his first, um, start against a team like that. Uh, but I like what you said about how it took McSorley some time. Uh, Clifford's been able to work through these nerves and all that fun stuff and build up some confidence without suffering a loss or making that really bad error. And I think that says a lot to what he's going to be going forward. I think this bye week is going to be huge for the game slowing down for him. And I'm really excited to see what he can do against Maryland. Yeah, I, the Maryland game is just fascinating because he's a first-time quarterback going on the road. This is his first ever road start. And we've seen that Maryland is basically pushing all their chips into the center of the table on this being the biggest game that they play in Ward knows how long. I, I It's like sold out. It's on a Friday night, blah, 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 all that. For me with Clifford, he he is the reason why even when, even though, again, Penn State's kind of big play offense thing, it has its moments where it doesn't look great. His willingness and his comfort and his ability to see guys deep I think that's something that's pretty impressive, and it's something that if, as he gets into a point where he gets into a better rhythm with Jahan Dotson, with KJ Hamler, with Justin Shorter, with Pat Fryer, with those sorts of dudes, we saw him throw a few passes right into the end zone or right at the right in front of the end zone where his dudes had a step, and it just didn't quite work for them. That's encouraging to me in a weird way because he's doing that on like a crappy day and we've seen him do it well and we know that Penn State has the caliber of guys who can run past defensive backs. Add in the fact that it looks like he's starting to get some, get a little bit more comfortable in the RPO and the fact that Pitt made it a point to just throw everything at him. Some of the blitzes they were doing, where they were bringing pressure from, where how they were bringing six guys with five blockers, all that stuff. He wasn't perfect against that, but he didn't give them the football. And he hasn't given teams the football. The only interception he's thrown this year was one that got called back for a pass interference, uh, a very blatant pass interference against Pat Fryer. Yeah, Pat Fryer got called. He did. And that was something that I think... That, like, you cannot stress how important it is that he's holding on to the football and he's not giving it to the other team. And he's going to throw an interception at some point. Yeah, he did fumble because he just got absolutely nuked on, I think, Penn State's first drive. So there are some things that he could tighten up. But it, but it, it, it's been an encouraging first couple of games for him. And I want to see him continue to grow and continue to progress and continue building up a rapport with his receivers because – once this offense gets to clicking, and I think that's going to come sometime soon, it, it's going to do. It has the potential to do some really, really fun stuff. Uh, last kind of thing to talk about with the offense, if there's anything to say with the receivers, outside of really tightening up the rotation a bit, because like I don't need to see, I, I don't need to see some of the more depth oriented guys, except for maybe. Dan Chisena, because I thought it was really impressive watching him go up and get that ball, even if he wasn't oh, quite I'm able to Oh, I'm so sad it. it didn't count. I'm so sad it didn't stand. That he, was awesome. He, like, that's just something that Penn State doesn't have in its receiving court. Like, it doesn't have a guy who can go up and get the football like that. It has, again, talented receivers, but it doesn't have that. And I think that's, I think Shorter can be that guy if he gets oh, a chance. Same. But having, having two is yeah. huge. Absolutely, I absolutely believe the Shorter could do that. But Chisena, I think is a little more comfortable doing that. But like, I don't, 
I think they could tighten up that rotation. I think they could just generally tighten up rotations, especially on defense. Uh, but I can't think of too much to say about the receiving game other than, like, I think KJ Hamler had one drop where he tried to catch a ball with his chest, and that was bad. But otherwise, anything, Matt? Um, no, I think that's just going to be what we're going to get with Hamler. Um, you know, he, he gives you that big playability, but he's going to have that. And I don't know. Uh, you don't want to see it, but I think it's a fair trade off. Yeah. I, he, if you tell me that he's going to drop one pass and in exchange, he's going to catch a catch three balls for 68 yards and have one fifty three yard reception there. Like I'll grin my teeth and bear it and guess, uh, yep. offensive line I thought was decent. Uh, it again, pit through a whole hell of a lot at it. And I think that it didn't have a monstrosity of a game, an atrocity of a game, but it wasn't stellar. Is that, would you say that's about right? Yeah, it wasn't great. I did see a, a video. I forget who tweeted it or uh, it was a gif. Uh, CJ Thorpe just absolutely mauling a dude. And He'll do that. I, I, get, I get they rotate him and Mike Miranda, but I want to see him on the field as much as possible because I just want to watch him just bully large people for 60 minutes every weekend. Um, but overall, I thought they looked, I thought they looked fine. I want to see more at this point. What is it now? Year four under Lime Grover, 16, 17, 18, 19. Yeah, year four. Um, and it's a really upperclassman heavy, like even their you know youngest guy is Rasheed Walker. But that's still four guys who have been on campus at least three years, five if you count Miranda slash Thorpe, whichever one you want to count. Uh, I'd like to see him take another step forward. Um, I don't know what that's going to take. I feel like we've been saying that for years now, but Overall, it was fine. It, it didn't inspire, inspire a lot of confidence, especially after seeing what Ohio State's been able to do these past few weeks, because uh, I think that has to be the bar. Uh, but we'll see going forward. Yeah, I, every decision that they make is, do you help Penn State beat Ohio State? So if you can do that, cool. If you can't do that, also cool. I want to go to the defense really quickly. Um, first, the really good, which is that Pitt could not run the ball at all. It was, was it 24 yards they finished with? 25 carries, 24 yards. Their leading rusher had one carry for nine yards. Penn State, I, I, I think we're going to talk, the big conversation is about how they can't rush the quarterback and they haven't been able to really do that. I, I think that the defensive line has played better than the low sack number. And I think I would point to what they are able to do shutting down rushing attacks is proof of that yeah i also think quarterbacks haven't really tried to uh run plays that are going to take a lot of time with the quarterback having the ball i think that plays a big factor yeah that's that's kind of the big thing it seemed like teams the big thing that they want to do is get the ball out quickly we haven't i mean we saw a few times where teams were pit and buffalo did this a few times too where they took shots down the field but for the most part it was get the ball in the quarterback's hands, get it out, or pass rush coming, kind of evade them. You, you know, Pickett is a mobile enough guy that he was able to evade getting hit a couple of times. So that kind of contributes to all of it. But on a scale of 1 to 10, Matt, how concerned are you about Penn State's pass rush? Like a 2? I think hmm. I think they're going to figure it out. I mean, obviously, whatever. What, you would, what three sacks uh, on Saturday, and one was by Jan Johnson, which, hey, Good for Jan Johnson. Go Jan. Good for him. Um, I still think they're going to figure it out. I think they're still working out all the rotations and stuff like that. Um, but this team is too good to not finish the year with, you know, 40 plus sacks. They're, they're going to find a way. Uh, Jason always 
it's going to click for him really soon. I think Shaka Tony's going to just start mauling people. Um, same thing with Etor and Shane Simmons. Um, they're way too deep and way too talented to not figure it out. Uh, I just think it's just going to take some time for them to settle back in and figure out, you know, what everybody's role is and get comfortable in that. I think I'd agree with that. It, it, would you say that maybe I, – I don't even know. I'll, I'll pull up snap counts here, but it almost seems like every now and then their depth works to their detriment with how frequently they're getting new guys in there and they're still trying to figure figure out what their best course of action is with some stuff. Like, it, I mean, snap counts for the first two weeks will be a little bit – uh, thrown off because of how big those blowouts ended up getting, but yeah, yeah, but but that's interesting to me. I, I it, it seems like what are you what are you at? What was what's that? Your level? What, what's your level of concern on a scale of one to ten? I'd say, hmm, I'd probably say about a four because okay. Penn State's going to have to play uh, in Josh Jackson, Maryland, uh, Shea Patterson of Michigan. And Ohio State of I mean Justin Fields of Ohio State three quarterbacks who can move a little bit. Um, fair, totally fair. So like that's mostly where it's not. Like I think again, I think the talent is too vast that they can't that they'll figure it out. But when I I mean I just look at those teams like I think against Iowa and against Michigan State like even if those offensive lines are going to be a little bit strong you know a bit more physical with them. The quarterbacks are just going to be back there like sitting ducks and they'll be able to get to them somewhat easily. But I don't know. Like it, it, It's an interesting case because, again, I think a lot of what teams have been trying to do these first couple of weeks has been neutralize the pass rush by getting the ball out quickly. And we have seen that in the fact that the the quarterbacks for the last two weeks have put up numbers, but they haven't like been productive. I mean, they haven't led to points necessarily, so I not be productive. Yep. They haven't led to points necessarily, but that, that's some. I, I, that's one thing that I'm going to be uh, interested in as they kind of enter this bye week. As for the back seven, um, I think with how destructive Micah Parsons can be, I think, and how versatile Micah Parsons is, I think that lets them move some stuff around a little bit, but. I can't really identify outside of they they look like they try to keep everything in front of them. Like, I don't think they were necessarily all that bad. I mean, the screen pass thing is something they need to figure out, like, immediately. Oh, my God. That screen pass, that was, I don't even know, it was like third down and nine on pit zone 12. And mm-hmm. everybody, like, you could have asked somebody in Syracuse, New York, who had no interest in this game, Folks. what are they going to run on this play? And they would totally say a screen pass. And then they did. And that was... The most frustrating part of that whole game to me was that one play. That like that's the injury. Like it seems like that's just their like Achilles heel. Like they they just can't defend screen pass. I, although I will say I think on their final drive I want to say Cam Brown blew one up. Yeah, Cam Brown. Yeah, that kicked ass. Cam, Cam, good for Cam Brown because I thought he you know he's still he's not hardly a perfect linebacker, but on that goal line drive, two on first down and on third down he just blew stuff up. And yep. he was like, I thought he had a very solid game. And I think he's another guy. He's, he's like Parson. He's like Parsons light where I think he's figuring it out. And I think that he's turning into, 
you know, he doesn't have the ceiling that Parsons does, but he can be a fine linebacker, a perfectly fine college linebacker who gets maybe a cup of coffee at the next level. Yep. Ideally, he's a redshirt junior, but yeah. he's not. But oh, well. You can't blame him for trying to figure, and he's figuring out now. So, mm-hmm. which is better fine. now? Never. Yeah. Yeah. I, like I, if he gives them just that extra little something in the linebacking core, I'll be happy. But it seems to me like the entire plan for the pass defense, with really the two jump balls to Mac, and then that fourth down play action where you know Garrett Taylor just got a little bit too eager to stuff the run, and the tight end gets behind him. It seems to me like the entire strategy was we will let them complete anything. We will just stop them. Like we'll even let them get first downs if they want to. They're just not going to get into the end zone with that. It's the ultimate bend but don't break defense. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I thought it was a really good move. I mean, they're not getting anything running the ball, so make them pass. And, you know, odds are Kenny Pickett's going to miss a couple. It's rainy. Odds are some are going to get dropped. I thought it was a really good strategy. Uh, it wasn't great to see, but I totally get why they did it. Yeah, it, it, it's something that, again, once they get against teams where there are guys who, even if you have a defender or two standing in between them and the end zone, they can make something happen. Like That's where it potentially hurts them. And also, once the pass rush starts getting home, that strategy looks a whole hell of a lot better. Because you, when you are just unable, able to throw the football it is amazing how much better a secondary looks and it's that is one of those things that i i think they're really going to emphasize like they're going to keep doing exactly what they've been doing on defense and i don't think it's a bad idea but what would you agree yeah i would sorry i was zoning out watching monday night football or sunday night football sorry what happened uh, I don't know. I was more or less zoning out in general, and I was just watching football, and I'm confused. Sorry, I said the exact same thing. What was? Uh, wait. Oh, wait. No, I think I just saw that. Like my Miles Sanders is complaining for uh, he he wanted a pass interference or something. Was that? My, my, I'll be honest. You, you cut out, and I was really confused as to why you cut out. So that was more or less what I was doing. Yeah, I'm. We'll I'm, edit that out. No, we won't. No, no, we won't. This is this is good tape. Uh, oh God Almighty, Eagles! What the hell are you doing? I don't even like the Eagles. Why do I care? But yeah, going into a. I'm trying to think. Is there anything else about the defense? The defense was where I wanted to talk about tightening up rotations because, like, I really. It, it it seems like they're they're getting just so many bodies in to kind of figure out what they have in all the various positions, and they I think they probably have a pretty good idea of like who the ones are at every level of the defense but they're trying to figure out who the depth guys are, who the guys are in the event that person A or person B goes down. And as we kind of get into this next thing, one of these next things, which is the biggest thing you want to see them do different is big 10 play starts. Like that's the one that I'm looking at. Like I just want to see them go. These are our 11 to 14 guys and then roll with it. Yeah, I think that's I think that's a byproduct of the redshirt rule and knowing that you're so much better than these teams uh, that you can kind of take these risks and kind of figure out who can fit in where. Um, I'm really excited to see Dan's snap counts uh, in the next few days just to see because that's going to be our first really solid look at like, OK, like how much is Charlie Cashier really going to play going forward? Like what is Judge, Judge Culpepper's role really going to be? Uh, I think that's going to start to get shored up 
uh, probably now at this point, yeah. you know, uh, this is where, I mean, what was it after game two, we saw him shut down Nick Tarburton, uh, last year. And I think this is another really good time where we'll start to see like, okay, this guy showed he can do it. If we need him lovely. Uh, if we don't even better, like, I think that's going to be really exciting to watch going forward. Yeah. I, I think in the, I think it was in the fourth quarter, like there was a drive where Ellis Brooks got some pretty, I don't know if it was extended run, but he got a little bit of run. Donovan Johnson, he looked good. You look good. Like you and I are, I think, are the two biggest Ellis Brooks believers on the planet right now. Oh my god, yeah. I I love Ellis Brooks. I cannot wait to see what he looks like when he's out there on a consistent level. I think he's gonna kick so much ass. He's he is kind of like he is kind of like Jan Johnson to me in that he's not like a physical freak of nature. He just has a really good brain for football and he knows what he has to do in certain situations. And I think that's like, that's a very valuable skill. And that's something that as they go along the season, I think he's going to play more, but he got some snaps late. I, Keaton Ellis, I also they, think he just wants to hit people. Oh, like he, Brandon yeah. Smith level just wants to hit people. Uh, I, God, I don't know if Brandon Smith played this week. That's, that's unfortunate, but I, I think to Jaquan Brisker, I mean, he got, so he's a little bit of a special case because of his eligibility, like where he is in his eligibility. But like he got some serious run. Keaton Ellis got some run. Donovan Johnson got some run. Like they're so all- like, real note about Brisker. I thought it was said a lot that he was in on that Hail Mary um, because he isn't really impressed all that much in coverage. He's been really good at coming up. He had a good tackle for loss last week. But I thought it said a lot about what the staff thinks he can do in coverage. The fact that he was in there on that last play. Yeah. By the way, did have you gone back and watched the last play yet? I have a couple and, times, and it's and, terrifying that it's just batted up in the air. Oh no, not even that. Just like the everything that led up to it in those final, in what was, was like te, no, in what was like ten minutes of real time, but six seconds of football. Like where I saw James Franklin get a lot of crap for calling a timeout in the you know before that final play. Uh-huh. the extent to which I thought the officials just totally botched that, <laughs> like yep. where they, you actually go back and watch and the near official, he actually rotates his arm around after, uh, after Taser Matt, oh, I think it was Taser Matt gets the first down. I believe he rotates his arm around and then another official like waves his arms in the air to signify, Hey, you got a first down. How about you stop this clock? And, Whomever does the clock at Beaver Stadium just had zero idea what was happening. It was so, a BJC clock situation in yeah. Beaver Stadium. Uh, no, because it, it worked. It was just <laughs> operating. It was just operated incorrectly. But no, like, and then everyone is just totally baffled at what was, at what was supposed to happen. And Pitt basic like it, they almost got saved by that because the ball gets put down, and no one has any idea what's happening. And Franklin basically calls a timeout because everyone is confused as to everything that was happening on the field at that time. So that like go back and watch that because it was one of the weirder end of game situations. And it's something that's kind of fitting for this, uh, kind of fitting for this series because everything is as completely weird as it can be. And each game is as completely gross as it possibly can be. But yep. Yeah. It's, the final play, I you know, it, it was a Hail Mary. They did what you're supposed to do, even if it was kind of gro- gross that it kind of came down to that. But I thought 
I was glad that they, I was very glad that they won. I wish they got a little bit more style points, but I think this is a good time to kind of look at the team as a whole and where we're at, at this point in the schedule. Uh, they, they're through three games, they're three and zero, and while they sit at three and zero, uh, I think, I believe there's, they're 13th in the polls. There's something like 15th in They're 11, 11th in the coaches, 13 in AP, and I think like 15 in SP. I think I could so, be wrong. Something like I was, I was busting Bill's chops about this earlier. Let me, let me double check that. But it was some, it's something in that, uh, general area, but they seem like a team that has done just enough to make you think they're good, but at the same time do just enough to make you think they that there's a lot of room mat for them to keep growing. Yeah, uh, I think this bi- I'm hopefully going to have something up on the site in the next couple of days about it, but this bye week could not have come at a better time for yep. such a young team as we had and, and not even, you know, the Friday night aspect of the next game, but just working things out. It takes a while for young teams to click and now the fact that, you know, the staff can say, "Okay, we're 3 and 0, we made it through non-conference. We played a couple teams we should have blown out and it was a tight one, which I think is going to be good for the team long term." Uh, the fact that they had to deal with that. Um, I think it shakes out pretty well going forward, but I'm, there's a lot of work to do on the bye week, uh, especially in terms of rotation stuff, offensive line play, uh, the secondary play. But I, overall, I think it's in a really, really good spot for such a young team. Uh, they could very easily be 2-1-1 right now, and the fact that they're 3-0 just really sets things up for a good, what is it, next whatever three fourths of the season we have coming up it i will give them this um they they definitely got helped out by some we'll call it curious decision making by pat narduzzi um, three-year study th- he has a three-year study that told him to kick a field goal for the one as from the one as an underdog like well yeah let's take a second to talk about that i i could i have no idea that was the most fascinating thing ever and that was just showing that he is terrified of what this Penn State defense did in those first three plays and I do feel bad for the kicker nobody ever wants to be in the situation but the camera immediately cutting to Pat Narduzzi just looking like he just saw a ghost is the absolute funniest thing I've ever seen on live tv it was Narduzzi got really conservative yesterday like when they were in situations where uh, Mark Whipple was, you know, just calling plays on offense. I thought they did a good job looking to attack Penn State. Again, like, once they basically figured out that Penn State will let them throw the football, they went, okay, fine, we'll we'll take what you're giving us. And they just went boom, 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 picking out passes, all that stuff. So that I, I thought they did well. But there were a few situations where they punted in plus territory. There were a few situations where they – it just seemed like they could have acted like underdogs in a game and they just opted not to. And then the field goal, which that field goal, like I'm not a pit fan, but for pit fans, I was just really mad because yep. even though you got stonewalled three times on that drive, you have, 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 have to go for it. That. Was that the drive that uh, the fake uh, or the fourth down pass happened that Taylor got sucked at? Was that the same drive? I think it was. Let me really quickly. That hurts, that hurts even worse if that's the case. 
that hurts so much worse. Well, there was the throw to Mac. Um, yep, it, that was on the same drive. Oh my god! There was also I, there was also I, I go ahead, a, sorry. Also a fourth down that Pitt, uh, not a fourth down, a fumble that Pitt recovered the ball out on that drive. Like they had to, had to, had to, had to go for that, and you have to play to win. Like it, if Narduzzi coaches that game, like he coached the 2016 game, Penn State's two and one. I think I'd agree with that. Where, yeah, because Pitt was very aggressive, just all over the field in that one. So that's, that, I think that's probably fair. But yeah, I mean that was that was that was tough. That was a tough one for Pitt fans, I think, to swallow. Like that, I mean, the game as a whole, obviously, but that specific one was just. Oof. But yeah, getting back to what we were talking about, just the biggest thing uh, through Naka. I'm glad that you mentioned the bye week um, because. They're going to get another one of those. I think it's, yeah, they've a, they've a little five-game stretch ending with a trip to uh, East Lansing, and then they get another bye before they close out the season. Both of those are really good points, and this one I think is an, an especially good point because there is enough on tape that we know, one, what this team wants to do, two, how close it is to getting there, and three, what things it needs to do in order to get to that point. And... I think that they're going to work on correcting this stuff. I'm very interested in that Maryland game, just the level of aggression that they show in front of what's going to be a really hostile crowd with a quarterback who has no idea what it's like going into that kind of situation. And I think that through three games, we can definitely say two things. One, the defense as long as it's not allowing points, what it does works really, really well. And two, the offense is going to be dependent on Sean Clifford's ability, particularly to stretch a defense. And Matt, if they're able to do those two things going forward, I think they're fine. If not, that's where it kind of gets a bit hairy. Yeah, I think the schedule uh, really shapes up really well. I think your road games are ones that, you can impress some people if you win. I mean, you've got to go to Michigan State, whose offense still has no idea what it's doing. Uh, you've, got to go to, you've got to go to Maryland, uh, and then you get um, you got to go to Columbus as well. You get Michigan, you get Purdue, um, you get Rutgers at home. I think that shakes out really well to impress some people, and I think this is a great opportunity for them to start figuring stuff out. And um, like you said, Clifford's uh, running ability and his ability to kind of make defenses Mm -hmm. key on him. I wrote about that a couple weeks ago. I think that's going to be huge going forward. And as teams start to respect that more, I think that's going to wake up their running back game a little bit more. Um, I think that's one thing they have to work on on this bye week as well is figuring out how they want to do that. Because although they did have a good game running the ball, uh, you're right, that Journey Brown play does make it seem a lot more lopsided than it usually should look in a game where you ran like that overall. Yeah, they had 167 rushing yards and 85 of them came on that one uh, car- third down carry by Journey Brown. So, but again, I'm not. I'm, I hate those people who are like, well, if you take I, out, I, I know play, like that. That play happened. Like, it, it, there's no if. Like, if you take away all the good plays, there are only bad plays. Like, I, I hate that argument so yeah, much. The, the only, the only guy who I think just on the whole had showed that he is able to get four, you know, get four or five yards every time he touched the ball was Noah Kane. I like. He, that, that kind of separates him from the rest. I think Brown, Ford, and Slade are all home run hitters to one extent or another. Kane seems like the kind of guy who you give him the football 
and he's going to run chest to chest into a linebacker and get you X amount of yards. So they will, I, I think that's going to be something that they work that like, that's really going to be something that they work on maybe in the passing game, incorporating Justin shorter and uh, Jahan Dotson and maybe some other dudes in is something they work on, but yeah, I'm not sure what, what, and this will be the last thing we talk. We're going to, We'll, we'll do Big Ten talk for a second, but there are only like two games I think we need to touch on at all. What is the biggest thing, Matt, that you want to see Penn State do differently as we now get into the teeth of this schedule? I want to see them maintain drives. I don't. I, I love the big plays. I think if you can get two or three of those a game, you're going to win most of your games. Um, but I want to see them have just... 13 play drives, 12 play drives. I want to see them keep the defense off the field so that when the defense goes on the field, they can make sure they get to the quarterback. They can, you know, have the secondary make those kind of plays. I think that's going to go a long way into making sure this team can reach its potential. So I want to see them figure out a way to establish the run. I want to see Sean Clifford settle down a little bit and hit on some more of those intermediate throws. I think that's going to go a long way into you know, what the season ends up being. I'm going to try and pull this up because. I think this is going to be the thing that everyone is going to lean on, right? Like, just go right to with all of this. Uh, where are they? Okay, so time of possession, they are 125th nationally. The only teams below them are Troy, San Jose what? State, Kent State, UCLA, and Florida State. They average 25 minutes and 21 seconds worth of the football over the course of a game. The, the big thing that contributes to this, as everyone knows, is third downs. Penn State this year is 7 for 30 or 23.3% on third downs. That is also 125th nationally. That's a problem because yeah. what like they don't need to be army. They don't need to be able to go 4 yards on first down, 4 yards on second down, 2 yards on third down, weave a first down. But those are two kind of troublesome numbers to me. I don't know the extent to which, like, they're like I don't think that's something that they're going to do every week. Like, they're going to progress to the mean. They're not going to regress to the mean. They're going to get closer to uh, being good at that. I think, but I just yeah, can't. You can't get worse. You're, you're at least you're not going to get worse. You're not going to fall below. Who was it you said? Florida State and like UCLA. Like you're 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 gonna get better. That's the that's the plus side. Yeah, it's but at the same time, like with how they like to take shots and with how they seem like they enjoy kind of setting up those shots with like two and three yard runs to set up RPOs or set up play actions or whatever, they're putting themselves and this is something that I think Franklin, it seems like he has spoken about this since the John Donovan days. I think Franklin is correct when he says we have to get better on first and second down if we want to get better on third down because if we're at a point where we need to get seven yards and we have gotten three and the two plays before that, that doesn't necessarily bode well. But they they have, 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 have to just get better at that point. That is the – for everything else, they protect the football well, yes. Um, we'd like to see them kind of – We'd like to see them lock down opposing teams a little bit better uh, when it comes to, you know, t- 
take what you can get, all that. We want them, we want it to be at the point where they're allowing zero yards as opposed to five yards on a play and just have that, you know, all this stuff. The big thing that we want is for Penn State to be able to keep teams off the field and get better on third downs. If you they can do those two things and mix in those home runs by Sean Clifford and this talented core of running backs, this team goes from a potential, I don't know, eight or nine win team, Matt, to a team that has the potential to win the Big Ten. Oh, for sure. Uh, selfishly, I do want to see at least one drive stall out at like, I don't know, barely into opposing territory. So I could see Jordan Stout attempt one from 60 yards plus out. That would be uh-huh. the 43, I believe, because I think he had 17. Yeah, so the 43 would be a 60-yarder. Okay, I just want to see one stall out there, and then I just want to see if he can do it, and then I would melt. I uh, Listen, I, I'm not going to say something I don't know for sure. It looks like he can. Like, when they showed that side angle of the 57-yarder, he it, he, it would have been Oh, that would be good from 60. It would have been good from a few yards back. So they, that, that's something that I want. I, I think everyone agrees they'd like to see that. But also, as long as they're in a point where they can settle for three and it's not like potentially catastrophic, we're, it, it's fine. It's fine. Yep. Um, I think that's all for Penn State. Is, is there anything, any final things from this game that you'd like to touch on? Uh, I'm happy uh, it, the series is over. I'm very excited for some new opponents going forward and to never have to look at the pit message boards again for mess boards. <laughs> yeah, we, uh, I, I don't know what's uh, been worse to my brain living in Florida or pit mess boards living in Florida. Um, yeah. yeah I, I for, next year is at Virginia tech. And even if they're real bad, uh, that's going to be fun. Auburn's coming up in 2021 and 2022. 2023 and 2024, two games against WVU, and then 2025 is Virginia Tech again. So I would imagine that they'll eventually get Pitt back on the schedule, Uh, but I'm glad that they're going to be trying out some relatively new stuff. And, like, I don't think anyone will complain. Anyone who goes to games will complain about getting to check out Lane Stadium, getting to head down to Auburn, or getting to head to WVU, which I used to live there. I used to live right... Well, my family used to live like two blocks from the football stadium. The entrance to it is across from a hospital, which is everything that you need to know. That's where the, that's where the neutral cider is going to be. What was that? That's where Penn State Pit neutral cider is going to be. Oh, play it there, oh. or or play it near the sheets by Harrisburg. Anybody from the east side of PA knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, I know exactly what you're talking. <laughs> the, the the one on that stretch where it's just like that and shops for people who are. Um, Above, we'll say above 18. Yep. Yep. <laughs> uh, yeah. So this series ends 53, 43, and four. Penn State ends with an, unlike the last uh, time this series went on hiatus, Penn State got the upper hand in the final game. Uh, out, as we mentioned the last time we did a pod outside of one 16 year stretch where Pitt won every single game, uh, Penn State, 14 year stretch where Pitt has won. 16-year stretch where they played 14 times and Pitt won every single game. There we go. Penn State has mostly dominated this series, and it's good to know that they were able to dominate this one three out of four times. So, hell yeah. Uh, Big Ten play. I don't care about Nebraska. don't care about T- Purdue losing to TCU. don't care about Minnesota. Don't care oh, about- Minnesota is hysterical right now. They got their oh, three and out. They got one vote in the AP poll because their wins have been so disgusting. But, hey, I, I saw John Legend was in their locker room, so – 
apparently John Legend is a Minnesota fan, so good for them. I, f- I forgot the circumstances under which they won the won over Georgia Southern. So uh, good, yeah. They have won. They are three and zero, and they are a combined six, thirteen points uh, separate them from them and their opponents this year. So hell yeah, yeah. they're they're going to win the Big Ten West. They're, why not? Someone has to. It's not going to be Northwestern. It's definitely not going to be Illinois. Uh, let's see. Uh, Ohio State crushing Indiana. I don't care about um, Michigan State, Arizona State. How much of this one did you watch? Uh, I watched the last part of it. Um, sadly, it was really gross. Um, maybe Michigan State keeping everybody on their offensive staff and just uh, shuffling the deck wasn't a good idea. Also, Mark D'Antonio is the most tired looking man in America. They. Penn State has to win. Like they have to win this game. This year. Oh Michigan State can do that game's gonna nothing. End, that game's going to end with a final score of four to two. Just cannot do anything on offense. It is, ugh. it is just real bad. But hey, shout out to Herm Edwards and the new leadership model for creating <laughs> leaders. Um, did you see the end of El Asico? Uh I did not. Sadly, I was. Uh, I didn't. I don't have uh, what is it? CBS Sports or whatever it was on. I saw it bounced off uh, on yes. Twitter. It bounced off a uh, Iowa State uh, defender or whatever in the uh, punt game. No, well, no, that I, Iowa was punting to Iowa State, and an Iowa State player ran into their return man, and it bounced off of that player's back. So then, an I, the Iowa player who, you know, their gunner was just like, "Oh wait, look, there's no one anywhere near this ball because they just ran into each other, so they fell on it, and they like Iowa State probably wouldn't have won the game either way, but uh, yeah, Iowa." They looked fine. They couldn't really run the football, and Nate Stanley threw the ball thirty-five times for two hundred and one yards. So, I would I would like it if Penn State beat them too. Uh, and then the final game again. We're not going to go into any depth here, but uh, I can't believe uh, the Maryland Terrapins, which were which are by any objective measure, the best team in college football, uh, were just unable to take down Mighty Temple. Uh, they actually, you want to know why? You want to know why that game wasn't wasn't a win for Temple or for Maryland? Bill? They were looking ahead because to Penn State. It was not played in the DMV. Mike Loxley can only win in the DMV. That is fact. <laughs> it, it would be good if he, he knows could, the DMV. It would be good if he could only win in a DMV. That would be that. That would add a level of intrigue to all. The, Mike That's Lock- Hugh Freeze's next place he's going to coach from. From a DMV, he's running out of weird places to coach from. Yeah, did you see this week? He coached from like an orchestral, uh, like podium. Like he would. He coached had- from he coached from Booker McFarland's sideline chair. Yes, uh, that, basically. He, yes, he he borrowed the Booker. Yeah. Like he. Oh God, I hate that guy. Uh, Hugh Freeze, not Booker. Booker's great. Uh, but yeah, Maryland. They were able to run the ball somewhat decently. Anthony McFarland is a stud. Uh, Josh Jackson kind of fell back to earth, didn't have a particularly great game against Temple. The Terps had 340 yards of total offense. Temple gashed them. 427 yards, 227 through the air, 150 on the ground. Like, if Not Pen- gonna lie, I'm more scared of Maryland now after that game. Yeah. Because I, I have no idea what to expect. Yeah. I have no idea. what I have no, Is Maryland good? I don't know. The answer is probably, and I heading into that game, like Maryland is, they're going to play with their heads on fire. I don't think it will end with a scoreline anywhere even close to this. But this game, and it's not just because it is on a Friday night, 
it has some very, very serious Penn State, Illinois last year vibes to me, where I think the opposing team is going to come out and is going to really, really, really have just like this belief about them. And it's going to be on Penn State to kind of stay settled and be able to take their punches, even if they're throwing punches through the third quarter of this game and not back down. And it's We'll talk about it more as we get closer to that game, but I think Penn State probably wins it, Matt, but the speed that Maryland has all over the field really concerns me. Yeah, I'm curious to see uh, what the breakdown's going to be, uh, Penn State fans to Maryland fans, because um, I know my family's going uh, going for the game, um, and I'm sure that's a really heavy area of you know Penn State students and alums, so I'm really curious for that. Uh, I, I actually think Maryland student section sold out for it. Really, I it's something. Well, yeah, like there's that. no there's no classes that day. I know. Is yeah, thing like, that there's no classes. They just completely, uh, yeah, they completely decided to go all in on this game being the game for them. So that'll. That's be why I, I think if Penn State can come out and punch him in the mouth, I think that's gonna kind of kill their spirit, and yeah. then I think it'll get out of hand. Yeah, they got to take the crowd out Penn, of that one immediately. Yeah, Penn State hasn't been able to do that yet, so we'll see. Yeah, and we're. Uh, I think the biggest thing to take away from this podcast, though, is we are all glad that Pitt is now in the rearview mirror. Um, I, th- I like it's just going to be it's going to be a while before we see that again, and because of how the game ended, I think that's probably in every single person's best interest. <laughs> um, and yeah, this is a uh, this is it, Matt. Thank you for coming on the pod. On short, we, yes, we had thank to, you. We had to we had to call in the righty from the bullpen because Matt and. Uh, Matt and Nick engaged in uh, a little bit of hedonism this weekend and they both like Nick had to fly back to Seattle or whatever. And Matt had to head back to Michigan. So shout out to Matt for coming on. Shout out to all of you for listening. Let to me just say as a, as a graduate of, of Penn state's podcasting class, um, this gets an A. This podcast gets an A. <laughs> uh, well, listen, I think we can let uh, the listeners decide if this podcast deserves an A by heading on. Oh, uh, to look I, at that segue. I, I have built up reps by going on to <laughs> iTunes and leaving us potentially a five-star review if you think it deserves an A. Uh, re- that actually really helps. It does some algorithm stuff that I can't quite explain. Uh, but regardless, please head on to iTunes, leave us a review, and subscribe on whatever podcast platform that you prefer. Make sure you keep reading and supporting the site. Uh, make sure you keep buying some shirts. I think we did it. Was it just a 20? Uh, it was just a 24-hour sale. So you missed yes. out on the sale uh, to get a shirt post pit but keep an eye out on our twitter account for that and yes still buy your shirts they don't help me buy groceries anymore but they are still very soft and wonderful yeah matt is now a college graduate so we uh don't take care of him uh but thank you uh as always for listening to this edition of roar lions radio for my co-host matt filippo that's on bill to filippo take care everyone